Hi, I'm Simon Drew, and welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, where I dive deep into the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. If you find value in this podcast, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. Otherwise, you can head to simonjedrew.com to find my writings, my music, and also information about my one-on-one coaching. But apart from that, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, and thank you so much for spending your time in pursuit of wisdom. And I can guarantee that you'll find some here today because we have none other than one of my favorite people in the world, Sharon LaBelle, on the show. And uh, in this episode, I bring you not only a conversation with Sharon, but also some good news, which is to say that uh, over the past year or so, uh, Sharon and I have been talking a lot more and exchanging ideas and concepts and having a great time doing it. And we finally just said, you know what, why don't we just do an episode on the podcast every month and have a conversation, an opportunity to get together and exchange thoughts and ideas and concepts and philosophy and to share some wisdom with each other. And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing from now on. And the first few months, we're probably going to be sticking to a similar topic, which is what did we learn from 2020? Uh, Because, you know, there's this idea that we kind of jump into at the start of this episode uh, that came from Jim Rohn, which is, you know, don't get through the day, but get from the day. And don't get through the year, but get from the year. And I'm really interested in that sort of stuff as it relates to 2020, because that's a year that, you know, so much happened and it was such a chaotic year for the world. Uh, but there are so many lessons that we can take away from it. And and I personally uh, had, you know, one of the most incredible years in terms of personal growth and personal understanding, um, which is obviously not to take away from the fact that it was a chaotic year for many, but the point that I'm trying to get across in this episode and this conversation today is what can we take away from the year? What can we learn from it about ourselves? And, uh, and so we're starting off with that conversation and uh, we get a little bit into that conversation, but there's still plenty left to discuss. So uh, look, I'm really excited to have Sharon on uh, on a regular basis. Uh, and I'm really glad that she's, uh, she's offered to do so. And, uh, and I know that you guys are going to get a lot of value out of these conversations, uh, just like I do as well. So if you're unaware of who Sharon is, uh, then I'll just let you know that she is a writer, a speaker, and an author. And if you've never seen her book, then you've got to get it. It's called The Art of Living, The Classical Manual on Virtue, Happiness, and Effectiveness, which is Sharon's interpretations of a lot of Epictetus's best writings. And if you haven't got it, then you have to get it because it's an absolutely essential book when it comes to really understanding what Epictetus was trying to say about the good life and what it means to be virtuous and what it means to live a fulfilling life. So she's done a wonderful job with this book and it's been of immeasurable value to me as I have studied the Stoics and tried to understand the essence of what they've been saying. So definitely grab that. But other than that, I really hope you enjoy this conversation and let me know what you think. Okay, so Sharon, um, I... I'm going to get the formal part of the 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 whole um, episode out of the way just to to welcome you and say um, that there's nobody who I'd rather have this kind of episode with. You know, I, I kind of reached out to you, as you know, and said, why don't we get together and have an, a whole episode where we just discuss the things that we learned from uh, the year of 2020? And I think I was partly inspired by a quote that, uh, that I heard from Jim Rohn. I don't know. Do you know Jim Rohn? Do you remember him? I oh, I certainly know who he is. Yeah, I, but I haven't listened to him or read him. Yeah, well, he he's kind of you know he, he was a, a Tony Robbins mentor, right? And I, I'm not a, a huge Tony Robbins guy anymore. I definitely was at one stage. But one of the reasons why I love Jim Rohn was he was all just about practical wisdom. You know, how do you live a good life? How do you develop a lifestyle that works for you and your family and your community? Um, and and he was just a very practical guy. And a lot of his ideas really line up with um, some of the ancient ideas from philosophy, but. One thing that he said, he said, don't get through the day, get from the day, you know, don't get through the year, get oh. from the year. 
And and that's always stuck with me. And I thought, you know, damn, 2020 was a crap year for a lot of people. You know, it was, it was, it was when it comes to years, you don't get much worse than 2020. Well, okay, I'm not gonna say that because you can get a lot worse. But I thought, despite that, it would be a real shame if people didn't find a way to recollect their thoughts on the year and find out what did they actually learn? Because, you know, you don't want to waste a crappy year like that by just letting it go by without learning anything. And I think, um, you know, the, for me being in a very lucky country like Australia, where we really didn't get hit as bad as we could have, it was easier to learn some lessons than, you know, a lot of people, but I thought, man, I took so much away from that year. Um, yes. Partly because two weeks before the whole thing happened, I quit my job. <laughs> and that was like, <laughs> so I was forced into this place where I had to pay attention, you know. But I thought, Sharon, you were, you know, pretty much with me throughout the entire year. We were conversing a lot and, um, you know, building our own friendship. And, and I was so, so grateful for that because you taught me so much. And we've, um, you know, really had, uh, a great thing going here, you know, having these conversations. And um, so I thought, let's get Sharon on. Let's discuss um, what we learned from 2020, what we took from the year as opposed to just getting through it. And maybe we can, you know, help a few other people to reignite within their own minds um, some of the lessons that they learned from from what could have been um, a year that we just decided to throw away as terrible as opposed to getting something from it. So, I'm going to throw it over to you, Sharon, or Shazza, your Aussie name. And uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'll let you start. You know, let's let's go back and forth. What's something that you took away from the year? Well, I am happy to tell you a number of things I learned reflecting on 2020. But before I even get specific, one of the things I thought about is, you know, when we talk about learning lessons, um, a lot of time learning is actually remembering something you know, but you don't actively live. It's more of a thought on a page than something you know and live inside. And there's learning and and then there's learning. There's a kind of learning where you can explain an idea eloquently or forcefully. And then there's the learning or knowing that actually changes how you feel inside, react to circumstance. And what you do or refrain from doing. So with all that in mind, the kinds of things I will say I really learned this year will not sound like burning bush moments, big epiphanies. It's more like returning to what I knew, what, what all of us know, but the beauty of huge calamity, which was 2020, is that it wakes you up. And mm. so I was woken up to some simple but profound truths. And so in no particular order, and, and I'm really winging it here, um, I would say, and I, <laughs> I really hope that you, Simon, and our listeners don't think that I'm the mad woman in the attic or something, because I'm going <laughs> to say something that can be misconstrued as 
I don't know, a cult or something. But I'm just going to say it. Just let me say that there's nothing wrong with being the mad woman in the addict. And that's already what I thought of you, Sharon. So, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You. All right. (laughs) Well, then I don't have to manage my public presentation of self anymore because I'm not doing too well at it. Okay. Anyway, what... What I learned is to listen to what I call the messages more. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about, you know, little spirits or sprites or talking to me, um, but there are these moments as we go about the business of living where we have these kind of tangential thoughts or insights or um, kind of injunctions to ourselves, you know, Hey, you might want to do this or call Bob or, and, and these ideas are not um, pertinent to what, you're currently doing they just kind of show up little flashes and um i find that the more i do what those flashes say the more to put excuse me to put it in stoic language my life conforms to the will of nature if if i dare say that um do you understand what I'm saying, Simon? I mean, I, I, I hope I don't sound really nuts. It, it, it's just we ideas occur, occur to us. I mean, it's the proverbial in the shower idea, right? Mm-hmm. So suddenly you get this flash of either insight, a problem that has been on the back burner, suddenly a solution appears, or just Sometimes, you know, it's that thing where you think of someone you haven't heard, you know, thought of in a long time. And I'm trying to, the the wonderful um, creativity specialist, Julie Cameron, uh, talked about, she called the, the, what I call messages, she called marching orders that we get Mm. these marching orders. And most of the time we're inclined to disregard these things because they don't cohere with or further the interests of what is currently happening. And yet they're very, very important, I think. But if you don't act on them, then poof, they're gone. And Mm. that's that. So, um, you following that? No, I, I, I follow. Okay. I, I follow it way more than you might realize. Right. And I'm, I'm going to, okay. <laughs> just, just in case anybody's watching this on YouTube, note that I have notes here, right? I have notes written down. This is proof of what I'm about to say, because it sounds like what you're saying is exactly the same thing as, um, uh, as the first point that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about in terms of something that I learned, which is that I, I, I felt as though, um, last year I, I was kind of, I threw myself into this challenge. I was like, okay, cool. Quit your job, you know, um, move in a direction of meaning of where you're being called to, you know, um, whatever yeah. calling to means, um, doesn't really matter. Just, just the fact that you know that something is, you know, there's something about you that is suggesting to you that this would be a better direction. And one of the things that I wrote was, I felt like I was becoming more and more aware of what you might call my real self, right? The self that sits yes. below yes. the part of me that is constantly enforcing ideas or enforcing directions. It's the part that sits below and says, hey, <laughs> hey, maybe this, exactly. you know. Um, yes, maybe this. Exactly. And and I think that th- there's a few tangible ideas that I can throw out there of moments in my life last year that this happened. One of them was 
um, and you know about this very much because I've like how many times last year did I tell you, Sharon, I'm just, I feel really like I should just get off social media. <laughs> you know, like so many times I told you that. And that was strange for me because I came out of this job where I was working in a gym and I was the king of social media. Like everybody in this company, um, you know, knew that I was really good at social media. It was my specialty. Every day I was on there doing videos, doing stupid things. And it's the reason we were able to build the business in the way that we did. Um, and then when I came out and I was like, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to be doing the podcast and I'm going to be on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, I'm going to be everywhere. And I had all these accounts, but something in me was just like, ah, oh, this is just wrong. It was, it was just like popping its head up every so often and saying, hang on, you're doing philosophy, right? This isn't about, don't spend your time where it's not necessary. Don't spend your time where you're really not getting any tangible meaning from it. And in the end, philosophy won, you know, because I, I just had to get to a point where I said, you know what, I really don't want to be on social media and whether it would be beneficial for me or not in terms of the business side of things doesn't matter as much as the fact that there's a real deep part of me that is just really yearning to get off, you know, and, 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 and move away from that. Um, and, and, and that sort of stuff kept on happening. I'll give you a really funny example, Sharon. One thing that I kept on thinking throughout the entire year, you know, because I, I obviously had not finished my musical degree yet. And I felt like one of the reasons why I quit my job and came back to the podcast was because I really wanted to figure something out. I wanted to figure out something for sure. Like I wanted to know something about myself that was true. And all throughout the year, um, at least the first half until I started practicing piano a bit, there was this thought that kept on coming up in my mind. And it was kind of like, man, I really hope that what I learned this year isn't that I need to get back into the music industry because that'd be really uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like it just kept on coming up. It'd be really annoying if what I learned from getting back into philosophy was that I need to focus on my music more because that's a really <laughs> uncomfortable thing. And I don't want to do that. Isn't that the stupidest oh, thing you've ever heard, Sharon? That, it's that's, funny. Yeah. It's the voice, right? It's the voice that's within it's you saying, voice. I really hope you don't have to do this because that would be really good for you, even though it would be really annoying. And, you know, <laughs> now I'm, you know, weeks away from, you know, finishing putting together this album that um, is just everything that I would want from something to come out of last year in terms of um, representing the direction that I went. And I agree with you, this, this, whatever it is, the messages, um, the marching orders, uh, the voice, consciousness, conscience, God, whatever it is, it's yeah. that thing that just gets up there and says, here's the truth, even though you're not willing to see it. Um, yeah. Because it I, always puts yeah. a demand on you. Yeah. Excuse me for excuse yeah. me for interrupting, but no. it, it always it, it it's never saying go sit on the beach with a a, a cocktail with an umbrella in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it never <Yes>. says that. <laughs> it never says that. Yeah. Oh, anyway, forgive me. No, no. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I guess I only had one one more thing that I could add to it, which was that. I think that it's important for me to to mention the things that led me to actually paying attention to those voices, right? And and I think that there was this idea that I learned that came from Carl Jung, and it was what you most need to find will be found where you least want to look, right? And I often find yeah. that those little things that pop up and say, this is what you need to do, are the exact opposite of what you would want to do, right? I, I often find that they're the things that, you know, are oh, you too busy or you're too focused on this thing or you're focused on that thing? It's just not in my purview of interest at the moment. But man, if you if you start to listen to that, what you wake up to is that, um, like the psychoanalysts figured out, right? There's a part of you that does kind of the speaking, right? Or it's almost like the persona. It's the you that is still trapped in, everything that you think you are but then there's yeah. the part of you below that that is kind of 
just desperate for you to listen to it and go where it's, it's almost like fate. Um, and so I feel like the, these ideas all coincide. It's like, listen to the voice that is telling you the thing that is uncomfortable and go where it is uncomfortable because that's exactly where you need to go to find what you need to find. And on top of that, um, it's it's almost like the epictetian epictetian i think i just made up a new word no <laughs> um the epictetian advice of um don't just be dragged along by the card of fate go with it you know like if fate is calling yeah. you then listen to that pay attention and just try it for a month try it for a week you know just see what happens see what happens yeah so that that that's that's my first one anyway and i think that yeah, that's probably the most important because it's yeah, it's, it's becoming aware of a part of yourself that you don't pay attention to often enough. But um, yeah, I don't know, Sharon. Like, what 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 was it? Do you think that like what, what do you reckon it was that got you starting to hear hear that? Do you think it was like a heightened sense of awareness because of all the chaos that was happening? Do you, did you feel that at all? Oh yes, oh yes, I. I mean, I, well, this is over a bit of an exaggeration, but before the cascade of um, events that we all shared uh, happened, I, I think I was kind of a sleepwalking version of myself Mm. and and, and that that was a, a terrific, uh, despite all the pain, despite all the loss. I mean, have, heaven knows we have lost so much and so many people have suffered. But we're starting to wake up a bit. And, you know, related to that, Simon, is uh, you were talking about listening to that voice. Uh, I, in 2020, I learned more than ever the importance um, of having some kind of daily ritual of meditation, yoga, contemplation. For some people, it's swimming or uh, running, you know, doing some kind of uh, physical activity, but whatever it is that pulls us back from what we think our lives are about mm. and, and helps us get under our busy minds. And I just think that, I, I mean, I, I don't believe that people should meditate in order to, you know, get more messages. (laughs) But because the whole point of having this kind of daily visit with, in a way, it's more like just a a letting go uh, and just taking some time every day to, Stop clutching onto our cherished opinions, what we think is so important, what we, you know, to just take a brief break from that helps us disrupt certain thinking patterns that blind us to what we need to know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw one of your lessons that you taught me back at you, right? Because you're right. This this idea that we need to kind of we need to kind of pause and we need to sit with ourselves and allow the clutter of life to drift away, you know, as much as it can, so that we can see a little bit clearly. I think that what you said about 
almost being a sleepwalker is exactly right. I think that many people were sleeping before 2020. I think many people are awake right now. I, I think um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story after this, but um, uh, one thing that you taught me, which you know, is one of those lessons that you you can look back on your life and say that changed everything for me was the idea of Poe, you know, to sit with an yes. idea, you know, that yes. was transformational. I can, I think I can genuinely say that many of the lessons that I learned in 2020 were at least enhanced or would not have happened for me if I hadn't have had you telling me at the very start of the year, Poe, sit with an idea, sit with a thought, sit with, you know, um, a potential pathway. Don't say yes. Don't say no. Just allow it to seep in and see what happens. And um, that was transformational. I think that we do live very clearly in, in a yes or no culture at the moment. Um, We live in a yes or no good or bad, you know, uh, we, we live in, you know, right or wrong. Um, I think we could all use a little bit of Poe, just a little bit of just sit back for a second and what's really important. Um, and I, I have yes. to, I, I have to tell you this because it was hilarious. Um, I think, I think I, I think I found out why people are so prone to conspiracy theories when um, catastrophe strikes because um <laughs> I felt like at the start of the year when when all of it was coming out and all the, you know, the COVID news was starting to happen and everywhere was locking down and we'd just gone into lockdown, I really did feel as though a part of myself woke up. It was like an it was like the classic story of the mythological, um, you know, encounter with a dragon or encounter with chaos. And all of a sudden you're thrown back a bit and you become hyper aware. I felt this hyper sense of awareness about everything. And I think it was really good for me because one of the things that I took away from last year was I started to develop a a far more sophisticated approach to um, beauty and art and seeing um, delicate beauty in nature and, and, and just around me, just, just paying attention to what's around me and, and recognizing that, there's so much more to see than what we actually see. Um, but one of the things that started happening was I said to my wife one day, I was like, I'm hearing ambulances outside pretty much every half hour to hour now. What if the government is sending ambulances around to scare people? <laughs> and, and I just felt this hyper sense of awareness. I was like, what's happening with all these ambulances? <laughs> and yes. It's probably nothing because we didn't have a huge outbreak here on the Sunshine Coast. But w- what it taught me, I, I, and I didn't actually really think that that was going on, but I just, I was leaning into this hyper sense of awareness that was coming about as a result of everything in the world changing. And 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 I thought that was just interesting to learn that about yourself, that that we don't get that enough in Western culture because for so many of us, life is so much easier than it has been ever for humans. Right. And so there's a lot that we don't see because we don't need to see it. But when something like this happens, it almost takes us back in my opinion to, to, to almost like that primal awareness of, hang on, something's happening. I need to pay attention. What's going on. I, I don't know. Like, and so when you say sleepwalking, it just made a lot of sense to me, you know, because it, it's it's exactly what I experienced as well. And we we so incline, or we so reflexively want want to tell ourselves a story yeah. to make sense of the things of which we're aware rather than letting them sit in that space of suppose or perhaps, perhaps again, hearkening Mm. back to the idea of Poe that we don't have to immediately snap to a conclusive 
comprehensive explanation for every cluster of mm. inputs that come to us that we can we can we can dwell in the ambiguity the beautiful ambiguity of life rather than just being these kind of vicious disambiguators mm. you know, i <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because things are so uh, complex, right? And and we oh, and obviously yeah. our our brain has become so good at turning complexity into something resembling order, you know. And and I think yeah. that I have to say I think that that's that was important for me to recognize as well in terms of my path to recognizing how beautiful things can be if you pay attention was that lean into the complexity. And what you'll see is that yes. within the complexity is horror and terrifying things that will will you know kill you, <laughs> you know. But but there's also <laughs> but there's also just extravagant beauty. And and if you look at it, yes, you'll see yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Which is exactly why I, I now have on my desk this beautiful little little vase with tiny little flowers in it. <laughs> So what is the story of that? Oh, I think is, I think is it I, a, a reminder, a kind of talisman to remind you to heal well, to the beauty. I'll here. Yeah, I, I, no, I, 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 I don't. I don't quite know. I just I started realizing that why don't I have beautiful things on my desk that while I'm working and being creative, I can look at them and think, yes. you know excellent there's beauty in that and i think that that was just a little vase that i found in an antique store when my wife and my, my, when my wife and i were traveling around queensland doing some work for my parents company and um and i found this little vase and i thought that's beautiful and then i thought oh what can i put in it you know that will just make it a beautiful little work of art that you can just sit there but um you you obviously have been somebody who have taught me this as well sharon i mean you um probably more than anybody who I've spoken to seem to have a really natural sense of being able to pay attention to the beautiful parts of life and to pay attention to the close details and the intricacy. And how did, I don't know, how did, how did you develop that? I, I would have to give a lot of credit to my mother who uh, she's still alive but, um, you know, not kind of 100% with us anymore. But she, she was an abstract painter um, of some renown. And she, she, she made really huge... Um, uh, bold, bold um, oil paintings, but I would watch her. I I have I had no artistic calling as, as a child. Mm. I mean, my mother, the the tools she used, the the language of art were completely foreign to me. But I would watch her working on some ginormous canvas, and she would have a little brush. And just spend a whole day, you know, working on something the size of a postage stamp and just mm. getting it right. And she just had that that eye for detail and um, we're, we're really, really different kinds of, of people, uh, but... I re one of the things about her is she seldom wants to go anywhere. Um, uh, you know, I, I was always much more expansive and wanted to travel and learn things. And it's not that she's agoraphobic, but I remember just saying, well, you know, what do you want to stay at home all the time and just paint for? And she I remember one. I remember one time she just pointed to her head and she said, "Gardens of the mind, Sharon." Mm. 
gardens of the mind. What what I have inside of me is so vast and so precious. And what I have immediately around me is so vast and so precious. I I don't need to go other places. And and like I say, you know, it wasn't like she was some kind of willful shut-in, but she could find so much going on in any given moment, you know, mostly visually, but in every other sense. And she was delicate because of that, because, you know, sounds, everything, uh, words made such an impression on her. So I, I I got kind of lost there, but she she just embodied that idea of, of really seeing and and appreciating the significance of what is right happening right now within yeah. our sensory field. And I was you know I was reminded of her Simon when you first started showing me some of your exquisite nature f- photos, you know, close-ups of, mm. uh, you know, this filigreed uh, spider web or something, you know, with little dew drops mm. on it. And and I just thought, yeah, that's how Lila saw the world. That's, that's mm. how my mom saw the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful, Sharon. I, I got goosebumps when you said, you know, gardens of the mind. I think that's, an exquisite metaphor for, you know, thinking about this. Um, yeah, that that's awesome. And, and, and I think kind of relates to something that, um, something that I realized this year was the, the infinite nature of consciousness is something that we really need to recognize because once you realize that as soon as you go into your head, there's no end, you can, you can, as you say, build gardens in the mind. You, you, you can yeah. literally sit there all day and think about whatever you want to think about and you can explore whatever ideas you want to explore. There's no end. And it almost creates this kind of, you, you almost start to understand that idea that comes from, say, Christianity, that the individual is the centre of the cosmos, you know, centre of the universe. Because it's like you've got you here, and you look out and it's infinitely complex and yes. infinitely uh, uh, strange and fascinating and there's so much to see. But the exact same thing happens when you look within. It's infinitely complex. You have no idea what consciousness is and I still don't think we have any idea what it is. You have no idea how far <laughs> your thought can go or how deep it can go. And that means that you're kind of just this body navigating between the complexity of the outer world and the complexity of the inner world, trying to figure it out. And it's, it's a strange trip once you realize that, Hey, and I I think that, that, that just that gardens of the mind. I love that. I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. So yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I'm grateful to you for asking the question because she probably said that to me 25 years ago, and I haven't thought of it Hmm. all that time. She taught me an important lesson there. Yeah. She sounds like she definitely had what you might call wisdom, you know, because that, that idea floats through so many philosophies. It's in Taoism. It's, it's definitely in Stoicism. Um, This idea that, once you know, you don't actually really have to go anywhere. Like once you have that knowledge of uh, whatever the your wisdom, whatever it is that they were talking about, knowledge of something eternal, um, you don't need to travel to a faraway land, you know, in order to experience what it is that your mind is seeking to experience. You know, and I, and I always wondered about that. I was like, oh, that's a stupid idea. I want to travel. <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> and, and I still do. A, a part of me still wants yeah. to explore the world, but, but another part of me 
recognizes the truth in that idea, which is that, I mean, if, if I don't get a chance to explore the world, then there's enough right here that can keep me busy for at least 17 lifetimes. <laughs> you know, like there's there's enough right here that can keep me preoccupied, you know? Oh, yes. And it's it's really a failure of the imagination to think otherwise. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it back at you, Sharon, and say, what's another thing that you took away from 2020? I want to, we'll get, we'll get back on track. Okay. Not that I want to keep us on a particular track, because I I think that what's happening now is great. And we'll probably turn this into about three episodes because we won't have enough time (laughs) to get through all of it. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Oh, I, okay. Um, I relearned the importance of hanging hanging on to our aspirational self while um, accepting and appreciating and reveling in our currently imperfect self. In other words, I guess just that idea of we can always carry a kind of uh, ideal that we want to uh, embody or express, but to do that without disavowing just who we are, you know, our lumpy old selves. Yeah, just that that kind of balance so that one isn't always feeling like you have to change, you've got to improve, you've got to, which which can end up really being kind of self-hating because then it's like, mm. well, you know, you're always this rat on a wheel uh, trying to be wiser, smarter, thinner, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of materialism in a way. Mm. Um, so yeah, something about that balance between mm. who we want to be, you know, sort of the direction we're going in while being perfectly pleased with where we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does yes. that make sense to you? It, it makes so much sense. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, um, Here's what I'm going to do right here, because I think this is necessary. Oh, gosh, I can't even find it. How embarrassing, Sharon. I go to reach for your book, and I can't even find it on my shelf because it's so messy. Okay, one thing that I learned from your interpretation of Epictetus's writings, and I now tell this to every single one of my clients who I coach um, on, on our first session and then repeatedly throughout all the other sessions, Epictetus said, personal growth needs to be a mixture of self-scrutiny and self-kindness. And yeah. I couldn't agree with you yeah. more. I mean, it, it's got to be a balance. Um, and I think that I, I also really tried to take that on this year because one funny thing that I'll tell you is I came out of the fitness industry and I can count on one hand the number of times that I went to the gym last year after quitting <laughs> the fitness industry, right? <laughs> I I, lit- I might've gone three times, maybe. Um, and I have gone kind of downhill in, in my health, but a part of me was saying, you know what? It's okay for now. It's okay. Because the other things that I was focusing on, like the writing, the music, the podcast, the coaching, all of that sort of stuff, they were so meaningful to me that I just decided, you know what? You're not unhealthy. You know, you don't, you're not getting to the point where, you know, all your clothes are not fitting and the alarm bells aren't sounding at the moment. So just give it a, go for a walk every so often, go for a jog, do things that you love to do in nature, climb mountains. But apart from that, be kind to yourself and don't, constantly be that person who's just like oh I should be doing this I should be doing that that kindness 
plus the scrutiny that says, okay, now you're going a little bit too far into the kindness, right? Now you need to actually pull yourself <laughs> out because, you know, you're turning into a lazy bastard. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but I really found, I really found that, 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 you know, so yeah, the art of living to be found in any good bookstore near you or Amazon, go get it. Cause <laughs> That, that's one of the best pieces of advice that I ever took away from Epictetus and um, and it was revivified um, through your interpretation. So, but yeah, I, I agree. And, and you say you relearned this. Um, do you feel like you kind of fell out of it for a while? Oh, yes. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think life is, is a dialogue or a dance with, everything and everybody and what it is is we drift and we return and we drift and we return uh that that applies to me towards wisdom or uh a marriage you know there's times in a marriage it, it could be one day it could be one hour it could be two weeks where things get a little chilly you know between yourself and your spouse or or you're just going off in different directions or whatever mm. so you drift and then you return and you drift and return and we learn things and we uh kind of leave them by the side of the road for a while while we're paying attention to others i mean we can't do everything at once we just yeah. can't <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so we like well, for you know just everything at once yeah a bit of forgiveness a bit of self-forgiveness goes a long way yes and and the point isn't to be uh to arrive at some kind of conclusive end of the road aha i have finally achieved perfection along this dimension and that that's not the you know i mean that doesn't exist anyways we know that Mm. We know that. Um, And of course, then we always have our friend uh, Memento Mori, Mm. you know, uh, always having the awareness of our potential um, death. I mean, I I think of you, Simon, if if for some reason, God forbid, tomorrow you die, I don't think you're going to have any big regrets about having not gone to the gym in the lab. Yeah. You know, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and going to the gym is valuable for, you know, for certain reasons, but memento mori. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and I have to say, Sharon, I mean, like, one of the things that happened to me last year was I started doing things that made me feel as though I could happily die and have no regrets. You know, one of those things yeah. was was writing the book, which I keep on talking about. People, I promise it will be out sometime, <laughs> sometime soon, hopefully. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, that writing that was something where I said, you know what, damn, like having done this, it's so meaningful. It's so yeah. deeply who I am that, I could happily die and feel as though I left something that was real and truthful from me. And it's the same with the album and exactly what you said, you know, there were moments where I kind of said, you know what, I'm not going to go to the gym today, but I'm going to sit at the piano Uh, or I'm not going to sit, go to the gym today, but I'm going to go climb a mountain and do some writing on the top, you know, and going to do those things that make me, that, that, that I feel really justify the fact that I'm here. And, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and I'm going to do a cheesy segue into my into maybe a le- another lesson that I learned. Because one of the things, you know, we talk about kindness and, and scrutiny. I feel like what happened to me last year was that I, I, I had somebody who was bringing out the self-kindness in me and the encouragement in me. And that was you. You know, we we had multiple conversations you know, off the podcast and um pretty much every one of those conversations I got off and I just felt like, damn, you know, Sharon has awoken a part of me that is willing to be kind to myself and to say, just go for it. Just try something, you know, just try it. Just whatever it is that you're being called to just try it. And 
and don't imagine for a second like you're going to be perfect in in doing it. That's one of the things you constantly told me is just forget about perfection, just just try it and see what happens. And and that really worked for me, right? I had that kindness from you encouraging me and saying, just try something and po. Um, and, and then I also, on the other hand, I was listening to so much Jordan Peterson and, and his thought was encouraging to me because he was one of the first people who, I genuinely think that he's one of the first people who I've listened to who is engaging in something that really resembles what you might call philosophy, really trying to pull ideas apart and get to the bottom of things and to, to and that's not to say that there aren't other people who are practicing philosophy. It's just, I was drawn to something that he was saying and he kind of set this ideal for me. It was like, man, if I could learn to think even 5% in the, in the kind of way that he thinks about the world, it would be valuable for me. So I had that scrutiny, which was like, here's the ideal. Let's try and hit that. And then I had the kindness, which was you saying, just go for it. Just try something, just try, see what happens. You've got it within you, you know, and, and that really worked for me, like having, you know, the, these two influences in my life. And um, the segue is because one of the ideas that I learned from Jordan Peterson was he was talking about Carl Jung. So much of the stuff comes from Carl Jung because he he reads, a, he, he, he goes into a lot of the psychoanalyst work. And it's this idea that one thing that's supposed to happen when you get older is you're supposed to reconnect with the child that you left behind when you were being culturated, enculturated into your community, right? Because obviously culture is going to take some parts of you and throw them away, right? And that's it's probably necessary that some parts of you burn off like the dead wood. And it, that doesn't mean that culture is bad. It just means that it's a thing that you have to kind of get used to um, and it and it develops you. But this idea was that you're also going to leave some things behind as you develop into your culture and you need to go back and revisit those. And one of the really strange things that happened to me last year, Sharon, um, and you were kind of alongside me in all of this was I realized uh, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this. So when I was younger, I really loved playing the piano and I would noodle around and I'd come up with all kinds of tunes and I was, I was learning to play by ear and it was really working for me. And then my parents put me into some lessons with a piano teacher and this piano teacher was like, okay, cool. You got to play these notes in this time and you got to do this and you got to do that. And I just shut off. I didn't want to play piano anymore because I wasn't being taught as an individual, I was being taught as a member of the culture who should do this and should do that. And, and that's just not how I learned. And so I started playing a little bit more piano in, in university. And I pretty much stayed the same for about five or six years where I could play a few chords. I could basically accompany myself on some jazz ballads, but I wasn't progressing at all. And then one thing that I started to do last year was I said, okay, well, hang on. What if, what, I I clearly don't like practicing trumpet. (laughs) I clearly don't practice singing. But if I watch myself, this is another idea I learned from Jordan Peterson. If you watch yourself for a week, you'll notice that you do all kinds of things that you don't think you should do. And you'll also notice that you seem to find value in all kinds of things that you're not even paying attention to. Just watch yourself and see what you do as if you don't know who you are. And I found that, hang on, I can sit at the piano and practice for hours and still feel energized. So what if I'm not a jazz trumpeter? What if I'm just a musician and I can transfer my skills onto any instrument that I'm interested in and develop that and then I said okay cool what if I'm not a musician what if I'm a creative artist that means that I can feel very confident in writing or playing piano or um, writing poetry I've started drawing now 
breaking down the barriers that your culture necessarily gives you in order for you to grow into something, but breaking down those barriers so that you awaken the part of yourself that just goes where it wants to go. And when I did that, I found that I reconnected. It's so funny. Like you said before, sometimes you learn something that you can explain, but sometimes you really learn something and it becomes a part of you. And that really became a a part of me because now I'm about to release an entire album of piano. And that's just because I decided that, hang on, I really love playing piano. And I did when I was a kid. Let's reinvigorate that part of my childhood and bring out the inner child within me and just start playing piano and the improvements that I've made, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be egotistical, but the improvements that I've made over a year on piano, just by recognizing that it's where I want to be. And just by sitting down and playing, uh, playing in the musical sense, but also playing in the child sense, uh, it's, man, the the improvements I've made are are amazing and I'm starting to sound like something as opposed to nothing. And that idea, the truth of that idea really just, as cheesy as this word is, manifest itself to me throughout the entire year of revisit the child within you. What was it that you really wanted when you were a kid that was beat out of you by your culture, partly necessarily and partly just arbitrarily? Find that again. and. So that, I don't know, that's that's kind of one of the really big ones that I took away. And, and I think that part of your guidance was so helpful, which was like, just sit with yourself for a bit. Whatever it is that is calling you in that direction, just go after it. Just try it. Sit down and write for a day. See what happens, you know. So thank you, Sharon, because you, you, you added to that. That's great to hear. As, as you've been speaking I I thought to myself we could all really do ourselves a favor by letting go of trying to be intelligible to other people in other Mm. words so much of that conditioning is in service of helping other people put us into categories so that they they can form some understanding of of who we are and Mm -hmm. also our own self-understanding but we're returning to that idea we were running around with earlier in this conversation complexity and ambiguity that's really where we live you know people can say you know, I play the trump. You know, I'm a trumpet player. I'm a this or I'm a that. And it's not that those things are untrue, but there's so much else going on yeah. that doesn't fit into those little slots. This yeah. has just been a lot of fun. You've given me so much food for thought Simon I'm Mm. going to have to ring off in a minute but um, I'm I'm so looking forward to our monthly conversations yeah and and now might be a good time to to actually mention that that um, you know for everybody listening now what Sharon and I are planning is to every month get together and have a conversation just like this and I just can't wait, Sharon. I think it's going to be wonderful. And I think um, the fact that I'm on, I've just gone to number two of the lessons that I learned out of like 15 <laughs> <laughs> means that we've got a lot of stuff to cover in the, in the coming months and I just can't wait. And, um, you know, there's other projects that we're kind of strangely collaborating on on the side, things that we're doing together. And I'm excited to bring those to light in future episodes as well. But um Sharon it's been beautiful thank you so much um for the the yeah, the spirit that you bring to these kinds of conversations and it, it's always uplifting and I can't wait to do this every month Amen thank you Simon
everything's better when I have a talk with Simon. <laughs> Bye for now, but love always. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode and I just want to let you know that this podcast would not be possible without the help of my amazing Patreon supporters. So if you do have the means, then I'd really appreciate you supporting the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew and there's a whole bunch of benefits that you can get over there including access to 12 episodes every month of the Seneca series where I'm diving into Seneca's letters and trying to extract as much as I can from them. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other things as well, including meetup groups every two weeks. Uh, so I'd love to see you at those and I'd love to see you over there supporting the show. If you can, it would mean so much to me. And finally, I don't know if you ever feel like you need help implementing some of the wisdom, the strategies, the techniques that we talk about in this podcast and the philosophy, uh, but if you do, then that's exactly what I love to do with my clients in my coaching practice. Uh, so you can just head over to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. And if you head to that website that you can book in a free consultation with me where we sit down for 20 to 30 minutes, obviously via Zoom or FaceTime or Google Meet, and we just get to know each other a little bit better and, you know, discuss where you're at, what you're looking to achieve, and, and maybe a few of the areas of your life that, you know, would have a disproportionate effect if you were to improve them in certain ways. And so, you know, it's no obligation. You don't have to continue coaching with me after that, uh, but you will walk away with something of value that you can take in your life to use and implement straight away. So, uh, I'd love to meet you and uh, just head to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. But other than that, I really hope you enjoyed this episode today and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. Remember that you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. There you'll gain access to many exclusive episodes that haven't been released yet, as well as over 200 episodes recorded before 2020. If you'd like to work one-on-one -on -one with me as you move towards your ideal, then you can go to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. But for now, I'll talk to you next time.